Welcome to the Fem Powered Podcast. I'm Julieta Durante, menstrual cycle nutritionist and hormone whisperer. And I'm Nat Martin, menstrual cycle coach with a passion for all things premenstrual and periods. This is a podcast to help you navigate the world using the menstrual cycle as your compass and guide. We'll be chatting to industry leaders and women who inspire us on everything from money to sexuality, business to hormone health. Honestly, the list is endless because the menstrual cycle shows up literally everywhere. But let's be honest, we live in a world that wasn't built for and doesn't value the menstrual cycle. We are here to change that. We're here to help you learn new things about your cycle and inspire you to bring them into your life so that you can show up in a way that honors your natural rhythms and enhances your inner power. It's time to stop feeling guilty about being inconsistent and struggling with your cycle. So if you're ready to unpack its gifts, let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Fem Powered Podcast. Very exciting today. We have the lovely Lottie Randomly on. We met at Shambhala Festival uh, over the summer, and it was just a really, really beautiful connection that we had straight away. It's we were buzzing with excitement to be there, and even more buzzing when we were in this beautiful space in this tent, listening to someone else educate and inspire around the menstrual cycle and it was just wonderful to have that that connection because we connect online we kind of know each other sort of or know of each other online but you just can't beat that that physical human connection when you actually meet so welcome Lottie oh thanks <laughs> oh it's lovely lovely introduction thank you yeah I mean yeah it was such a joy to connect with you both in the summer I think I was at a point where I was feeling kind of quite lonely and a bit sort of on the periphery of things. So it was just, yeah, it was just really great to connect with you both and be like, oh yeah, there's some other folks. I mean, and there's obviously lots of folks doing this work, but it's it's a bit of a rarity for me to, yeah, to, to meet other people in person these days who are so into this, into this work. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I've really reflected on is that I really got into menstruality and menstrual cycle work during lockdown. I mm. really deeply. And I think a lot of these, that's why a lot of these friendships and connections were formed online. And now yeah. that we're coming out, it's like, oh, that's, you know, so wonderful. Like I literally, I can't, you cannot beat the buzz from meeting and being with other menstrual cycle people. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, maybe we'll tap into that a bit, bit, bit later, but yeah, there's something... I just think there's something really powerful about people who are literate in that, you know, in that way and able to kind of speak to that bit of their experience and how, just how connecting that can be, how it enables like a different sort of reciprocity when we know where we are in our cycles and how we're all kind of like, um, I'm thinking of the words, but like, I'm just really interested in the relationships between us, you know, like I'll be in my, you know, cycle day, you're on your cycle day. What does, what, 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 what happens when, when we're together in that dynamic yeah anyway gosh you can you can already hear I've got so many things <laughs> and you have oh, just like segued beautifully into our cycle day um, yeah so would you like to start and then we will we'll go around in our yeah, sure. triangle um, of connection I'm day 26 and um 
Yes, <laughs> very much like in that premenstrual in autumn phase. And I know I can feel its arrival when I wake up in the morning and it's a real physical thing for me, first of all, where I feel like my body's quite heavy. I don't want to get out of bed. It's like a, already there's a kind of like almost like a dull ache in my body. And then it's an interesting time for me. I think like paradoxically, I sort of absolutely love it, but I also really hate it. It kind of depends on the conditions around me. And it was funny because I kind of knew I would be in this phase when I was meeting you both. And I, I sort of just was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it because sometimes I can feel quite shy in this phase. Like it's, I maybe don't, yeah, I feel a bit shy and like maybe I won't want to come out of my shell, but I thought, no, actually it'd be really interesting to kind of meet you both while I'm in this phase and speak from that place because it's such an important, it's such an important facet of the cycle. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Sharing. Yeah. What about you folks? Yeah. So lovely Nat, would you like to share with us, please? Yeah, I am uh, 16 weeks today. Mm. and I honestly feel a bit crap yeah um I've I've I've, I'm fighting a cold it's definitely been coming through the last couple days and so my head feels I feel very much like in a premenstrual vibe today that Mm. kind of like brain fog feeling overwhelmed with lots of things to do but just feeling very foggy so physically otherwise I feel quite good but definitely mentally a bit slow a little bit down without really having any real reason why um so I just had a lovely soak in the bath and I'm I'm gonna do my nails and just kind of have like a um a chill day but um yeah so 16 weeks and feeling like but happy to be here like I was voice messaging with um Julietta later and I was like I'm actually really looking forward to this podcast chat just because these sometimes these things really like lift you out of the the weird funk where you're at so yeah that's me that's where I'm at today what about you, Julietta? Where are you at? Uh, cycle day 12 and ovulating, but it's one of that ovulatory anxiety hit me this morning and the overwhelm. You know, sometimes I've had a great few days, you know, really like that kind of yang energy, really wah, smashing everything in my life. Yes. And all of a sudden this morning, the to-do list became too much. Everything became overwhelming. I wanted to do it all at the same time. Then like I had a tech glitch and that like threw me out, you know, <laughs> it's, that, it's that too many things kind of sensation. So I'm really happy to be here because it gives me a focus. I cannot check my phone. I cannot check my emails and I'm just going to center and bring my, my ovulatory energy to this space. And that's really, really nice because I really need to force myself not to do a thousand things at the same time um, mm-hmm. when I'm in this kind of mood. And that's, the least helpful thing I can do is do a thousand things because then the overwhelm and the anxiety, it's like this vicious circle, they feed into each other. And by the end of it, you're just like in this spiral at the very top of, ah, so thank you for booking at this time and knowing (laughs) that I would need some grounding. (laughs) I love it. Ah, My pleasure. (laughs) pleasure. But I really hear you, you know, about that, that phase, it really requires like a very particular type of discipline, doesn't it to just hone that energy and not let it just veer off into overdoing it too much multitasking. 
yeah it's a lot it is a lot <laughs> i mean it's also great it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really exciting phase and can be just brilliant for lots of different reasons mm. um and it is also i mean for me it's like it's so seductive to just keep on overdoing it yeah and just and also i think the thing that still bites me on the bum even now and you know i've been practicing this stuff for quite a long time now but i you know i saying just yes to too much stuff in this phase you know so in saying yes for the weeks ahead and then being like oh shit i've got so much stuff to do now in that kind of inner autumn inner winter phase like why did i do this to myself yeah yeah and it's one that always bites me in the bum too you know I'm all, like how I've been doing this for quite a long time as well tell my clients pause before you feel the energy coming yeah about how you want to use the energy do I do that it just hits me and then I'm like bah, 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 bah. so yeah I'm I'm not too bad at being aware about saying yes for different phases of the cycle that I can do but saying yes and overdoing it now and then taking on things that I don't need to take on yeah like all of a sudden today I'll be like we're going out with some friends tomorrow I'll be like I'll sort out the booking for the pub why why am I sorting out the booking for the pub this pub doesn't answer its phone I've just given myself this horrific task you know? that's estrogen for you I suppose oh. yeah yeah right mm. Um, anyway, we would like to start with, that was a great cycle check-in, by the way, we would like to start with asking you just, could you share a bit about your journey? How did you get into menstrual cycle work? Um, you know, what does your work look like? Um, yeah, and just tell us a bit for, for, for the audience who'd never kind of come across you before. Yeah, just, oh. just tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. In, it sounds like. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I came to this work in a way that I think many folks do, uh, in that I really struggled with my cycle in uh, my teens and early 20s. When I was a teenager, I took the pill. And then when I came off the pill, my cycle was a bit of a train wreck. You know, and I also in my 20, early 20s had quite poor mental health, often struggled with depression and anxiety. And what I really, really started to notice was that my cycle has really exacerbated my symptoms. Um, so I would just really struggle in my premenstrual phase and during my during my bleed. It's, it's really interesting because I find it sort of it's not, I mean, like all these things, it's, it wasn't a linear journey for me. It was maybe being in the right place at the right time or being offered the right book or, you know, just, I was very much into kind of a lot of, I guess, like a narco-feminist literature in, the, in my mid twenties. And a lot of that really centers around a kind of do-it-yourself ethos around like health and our bodies. And so that really motivated me to just understand my reproductive health, like as much as I possibly could. And I guess in that eventually led me down the road of looking at my menstrual cycle and starting to pay attention to it a bit more. Um, and I guess I probably started tracking my cycle when I was about 26, 27. 
And it just started with like a, you know, a little, like most people, just a little note in my diary about where my bleed was and just starting to notice the rhythm of that. And, and then how that often misaligned or aligned with the lunar cycle and how fascinating that was. So yeah, it was kind of like a practice of self, self-study and just fascination. And I guess, what else, what, what else are the key moments? I went to a workshop with Alexandra Pope in, I think in like 2011, um, Alexandra Pope of Red School. I'm sure you folks know who we're talking about. I'm sure many of your listeners will know who I'm talking about. And I kind of was just absolutely enchanted by Alexandra and her thoughts and wisdom around the menstrual cycle. And so I, I did the Red School apprenticeship in 2012. Yeah. And that, you know, and that was really like a, I guess, a kind of pivotal moment for me in really appreciating just the nuance of menstrual cycle awareness and really, really getting to know my own cycle very, very intimately. My background is in mental health work, primarily like youth and student mental health. I've been doing that for like 15 years now. And so I've always been interested in where menstrual health and mental health intersect and oh gosh I mean it's been so it's like what it's like how many years 14 years or so I'm 40 now so 14 years of like thinking about cycles and working with my own cycle and that's taken me down some very I don't know very fascinating landscapes as the years have gone by and my own thinking and practice has led me down the route of thinking about queering the menstrual cycle and gender inclusivity um, within menstrual cycle awareness. I don't know, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's always like, I just really, I, I mean, I just really struggle to kind of give a bit of, to give a sort of clear narrative. Um, so now in terms of, in terms of my work, you know, I work part-time um, as a consultant in a, social, in a social impact team for a business that works with students. And so that's my day job. You know, I'm not doing this cycle stuff, you know, all the time. I'm a funeral celebrant, um, but I kind of prefer the term, I prefer the term ceremonialist just because I think funeral celebrant doesn't really do justice to what that that work is about um, a funeral isn't always a celebration and celebrant kind of implies that it might be you know that it's just a celebration of life but actually a funeral can be far more nuanced than that yeah so and I bring I think the cycle work that I've done over the years has really informed how I practice as a funeral celebrant you know cycles are all about that death and rebirth and funerals have taken me into the kind of death bit of the of the cycle and I love facilitating workshops about cycle awareness and do it as much as I can but just honestly don't do it as much as I would like to yeah <laughs> I feel like I'm just like <laughs> waffling a bit now but anyway I think that's about the gist of it so lovely to hear your your journey and I mean it wasn't waffle to me oh, it made a, lot of, <laughs> made a lot of sense and you know like followed a, a distinct path and I love I actually love that you that you don't work in the menstrual cycle arena all the time because um, we've covered this in 
you know a few episodes back yeah. on this podcast that there can be this kind of assumption that you know when someone goes on your Instagram page or whatever that you are doing this mm-hmm. all the time and of course you're practicing menstrual cycle awareness just from the point of view of being somebody with a cycle and being aware of it and it's kind of one of those things you can't really forget when you <laughs> once you learn it and you embody it so you know we are quote unquote doing menstrual cycle awareness all the time but it's actually really nice for me anyway to hear mm-hmm. about actually all these other things that you do your work in social work your work as a ceremonialist and you know because it is all linked isn't it mm. and so I think it's fantastic I really loved hearing that and um I'm in awe of you doing a you know funeral celebrant or ceremonialist work I find people who work in the realms of death death doulas and mm. um palliative care nurses and all of that kind of thing just so I make really big respect because that is huge <laughs> and you know like it really took until a few years back when I, when I lost my first family member to really kind of be introduced to like mm. what is that and it, you do realize that it's a cycle yeah you know, we, we know that we're gonna die we don't mind to think about it we know that death is around but this yeah people who yeah have the, the gumption <laughs> And the guts to like get up close to that like that's some real serious work so I'm just like always in awe of people like that I find it fantastic that that you do that and um yeah and that you can kind of tie that into the cyclical mm. yeah oh thank you yeah yeah I've not been doing the ceremonialist stuff for very long it's only about been about I guess I've been practicing for about a year and I I've been I've was thinking about it for a very very long time it just took me quite a while to kind of get the courage to to train I did a a diploma in funeral celebrancy with an organization called Green Fuse yeah and then I had to kind of get up the guts to actually do it (laughs) yeah it was quite it is you know it's I love it it's really beautiful work um it's an honor it is just like an utter honor to work with families and to learn about their people their loved ones um and then craft ceremonies for them but I couldn't do it full-time you know there are celebrants who do it full-time I just don't know how they do it yeah yeah I remember listening a a podcast interview you were on I think maybe it was with Kate Codrington yeah Um, yeah yeah. and that was really delving into this whole aspect of death and all Mm. this this and I was fascinated by it all and everything that you were saying and really, really resonated with so much of it because I feel, and this really ties into menstrual cycle work as well, our discomfort with the death part of the cycle. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, wow, as a society, if you if, if there was ever a time to talk about brushing things under the carpet, that is it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, just curious to just unpick this a little bit more. Mm. Um, I suppose this, yeah, did you find, you already talked about obviously how the menstrual cycle work does sort of blend in and tie in with everything, but especially when you maybe came to do this diploma, this training, and the work you're doing there and your menstrual cycle work. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how how it's helped you or what insights it's given you or or how it's all sort of like like manifested? Yeah, (laughs) I guess the other piece as well is just, 
actually no maybe I'll, I'll, I was gonna I was gonna talk a bit about how like because the, the other the other facet that I haven't really brought into this is that I'm also really interested in um and 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 have been studying kind of like folk traditions of U the UK and Europe and very interested in God, this is this is classic PMS uh, day twenty five. Can't find the words. <laughs> I'm like, I knew this would happen. Like the brain fog is descending. Um, but just kind of interested in folk traditions and the wheel of the year and the ways in which we honor particular time. You know, the the the, um, the seasons of the year from a kind of folkloric magical way as well and that um has also kind of just been woven into my woven into my work as the years have gone by but I think going back to your question Julietta which I am going to try and circle it back to <laughs> is um I think working with my cycle and practicing cycle awareness has just has been an excellent preparation for being up closer to death and endings and letting go and you know we all know that our our own cycles give us this opportunity to practice those little deaths every every cycle and sometimes they're big you know big deaths sometimes they're little deaths it just it depends where we're at and what else is going on for us and i'm not saying i find death easy by any stretch of the imagination but i do feel that being a bit more open and up close and personal with that cycle of death and rebirth, I guess makes me a bit, has made me a bit more able and a bit more comfortable in that role as funeral celebrant. On a, you know, on, on another level, a ceremony itself has a kind of cycle to it, has a sort of rhythm to it, mm. that, you know, a beginning and an ending and then back. And I feel like I, I sort of bring that into the in into my ceremonies as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so much to sort of reflect on there, really. Um, and I, when I was listening, one of the things that really was alive for me was. So I grew up in Gibraltar, which is a Roman Catholic society, and um, you have Catholic uh, like funerals, and mm. they're really quick. Oh my goodness, it's like. <laughs> 15 minutes whoa yeah the, name gets, the person's name gets mentioned once and then that's it and the funeral is always the day after the death because traditionally it was so hot that we yeah. couldn't preserve the bodies there is no space for anything so when I was listening to you talk on that podcast I was like oh how wonderful to have this space of acknowledgement and time and acknowledgement of a cycle and leaning into the death part and all of that um you know which I really really gave me a lot of comfort just listening to that you know mm. so thank you for that work that you're doing because I think it's really really needed really needed mm. <clears throat> thank you yeah I think it's needed too <laughs> I think it's it's interesting because like not everybody wants that you know some people actually really like that short short ceremony but but I you know I yeah, when I work with families and I, I, you know, try and offer up something that's a bit more spacious or longer and, and you know, you know, ins invite all these different possibilities of what we might be able to do. And actually, they're just really happy with half an hour at the crematorium. That's fine. You know, like, and that's also absolutely OK. That's but I and 
you know, and you can do a lot within half an hour, 15 minutes, I know, like, <laughs> yeah, that is intense, it's very short. But I also do think that there's just a culture of the culture of kind of death avoidance and, and, you know, not really being able to think or talk about death means that we're just, uh, a lot of folks do just want to get the funeral over and done with and find those spaces just intensely uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm really, really conscious of that when I'm working with families. And I also just want to create more possibility for people to just go there a bit and acknowledge acknowledge this facet of life mm. um we're all gonna die um and that can be really scary but also <sighs> holding it in our awareness I think can like potentially make us choose make different choices in life right mm. but I think uh, you know, I knew I'd, I'd eventually end up talking about it, but I think I think like this this sort of society, capitalist society that we live in, it really it sort of serves capitalism for us not to think too much about death and dying, because if we do, if we think about how precious our lives are, and that we are all going to die, you know, maybe we wouldn't all, I don't know, maybe we'd sort of think a bit, but more challenge that kind of I guess that intense work ethic that capitalism <sighs> trains us socializes us into yeah I love yeah. that and I, I remember speaking to Julietta not that long ago um and it seems like the whole podcast is about death but we are going to get <laughs> to the other part because it is linked in my opinion oh it is it is um that my partner lost his uh, grandpa on New Year's Day and um, mm. it was also a, a Catholic funeral. It lasted longer than 15 minutes, <laughs> but it was also a Catholic funeral. And I was reflecting with Julietta, like how different funerals are since I've been in, in Germany and observed kind of, you know, the, to the funerals I've been to, how so different they are to what I know as funerals coming from a Jamaican. Mm and like for me the word celebrant really resonates because it, I mean of course they're very sad it's like you know people crying everywhere and everything else but there is a real a real a real party a real like yeah. celebration of life and um and it's interesting that you know there are also with the with um menstruation as well like it's also hidden you know it's like just put in a tampon go around do your work don't even think about it like get it over and done with as much as possible and you know like it's not normal um for a lot of people when someone dies to to see their body before you know the funeral for us as as Jamaicans it's you know you normally have an open casket you, yeah. you know, there's the nine nights tradition there's all of that kind of stuff that it's quite a big deal yeah I, I find it really um yeah I find it really interesting to see like different cultures and how they approach death and I think that you can see a correlation there between how they approach death and the death cycle and how they approach like life <laughs> and right. and everything else like it is a real social issue so mm -hmm. you know this kind of it's just like ignore it over there like what 
that's the kind of un- unpleasant part comes out in so many different areas whether it's the menstrual cycle or what happens when people die yeah um you know it's really interesting I think mm. yeah yeah uh, no I love that reflection and I love how you have also um well you've touched on it already now like you know how we approach death is how we're approaching life and you already mentioned that Lottie like that capitalist mm-hmm. and I know that this is something that's really alive for you just now yeah and that we've got here <laughs> really naturally <clears throat> we didn't have to force it <laughs> we got it. <laughs> for those of you listening Lottie and I uh, had a couple of voice notes the other day and Lottie was very very excited to talk touch on the theme of social justice and I think we are here now so you know this is like Nat and I don't when 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 I heard you speak about this I thought well I know a little bit about this but I don't know a lot so I think this is such a good like opportunity to just start spreading the word and telling us more about it it's alive for you now so tell us tell us tell us you know what it really is how you feel about it and yeah all of the things oh okay oh that's a nice thank you for that invitation oh I'm gonna um I'm gonna mince my words now I'm sure probably (laughs) now that I've now that I'm actually here on the spot being able to talk about this um so I guess where I'll start, right, is that coming from a background of mental health work, in mental health, we often really just focus on on the individual. And we might we might like offer therapy or medication or interventions that are all just focused on that person to you know to improve them and to help them feel feel well but we won't off it's 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 happening way more now but when I first started in in mental health like we nobody ever talked about the structural stuff that was going on around somebody that might actually also be impacting on their health and I'm really interested in how I think that's happening in menstrual health as well so um I'm not explaining myself. I feel like I'm I'm trying I'm trying to make want to sort of like explain this in a sort of clear clearer way as possible. Okay, so the other way around to think about this is like I think menstrual bodies like challenge norms and challenge this the society we live in just by just kind of just by existing really because Okay, so in this capitalist world that we that we live in, right? Capitalism is is built on growth, profit, and the expectation that we as humans within that system will just kind of keep keep going at the same pace to to produce and to labor for that profit. And capitalism expects us to ignore our menstrual bodies, right? just to kind of like crack on and keep going at the same pace. But we know that we can't really do that. Like we have to, we don't have to, but it's wise to, to rest and to stop and to pause during our cycles. And so just in doing that, that is an act of embodied resistance against that system. And then if you also kind of tie in the fact that patriarchy has expected us to, to hide our menstrual bodies, 
you know, we are expected, we, we live in a culture that expects us to conceal our bleeding and to not talk about menstruation, right? Um, I'm just thinking even the moment, even at the moment in the, the business that I'm working for, haven't really worked there for that long. And I still don't feel that comfortable talking about my cycle there. You know, there is an expectation that we don't bring that stuff here yet. I'm going to change that. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, and, and, you know, and, and, and then the other element of this is that um, in a sort of cis heteronormative society, queer and trans bodies that menstruate are also just deeply reviled. So if you're like, you know, queer or trans menstruator, that's another form of resistance within, within this culture, uh, within this society. And so I'm just really interested in how we can reimagine menstruation like as, as a tool to kind of teach us how to push back on these systems of harm. And just going back to what I was saying about mental health, I think when... When someone has anxiety or depression, we they might be the first the first things that first thing that happens is that the professionals that they're working with will will suggest therapy or medication or diet or exercise or you know and and all those things are really really important like we all you know like self care and all all that stuff is really really important but lots of folks won't fully ever get well because of the systemic stuff around them, you know, and that, that might be really tangible stuff like the conditions that they're living in, poverty. And, and then there's also like, you know, other forms of oppression that also, imp you know, just impact on our, you know, on our stress levels on a daily basis. Um, and then if you sort of like, so apply that same rationale to menstrual health, I think that, I think we're at risk of like doing the same thing, you know, do, doing the same, doing the same thing that we do in mental health, where we don't always think about the systemic. So that might make sense. I can see you sort of both, <laughs> you see, you see you both nodding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it sounds to me like it's the, you know, your environment. We know that anyway, your environment affects your health, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, at least that's what I'm what I'm hearing you know if you live in an abusive home or if you're living in poverty or if you're living in a country where you are you know not allowed to be yourself all of those things will have an impact on you that's what I'm hearing it makes yeah. Totally to me. yeah 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 um I just wrote a note here and I'm just gonna write I'm just gonna read this out because I'm, I'm I've got to that point in like the, the premenstrual brain fog where I actually just need to like look at something I wrote. But um, I think we sort of revile like the, the premenstrual phase and all the symptoms of that phase and, 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 and often wish that stuff away and often try and like seek out ways of treating that and, and, and changing it. But what if that was like, the body's wisdom about like the actual state of the earth and the world then like why would we want I don't know like I, I'm thinking like to like where when I see people say like the, the, you know like this the pursuit of the symptomless cycle 
Mm. I'm like, I don't want to be fucking symptomless. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it, you know, that there's that quote, you know, it's no measure of health to be well in a sick society. And I think uh, this is why this has been so burning for me recently. It's just that, like, things are not good. You know, okay, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of joy out there. There's some great stuff about being alive right now in the world. But we, you know, in terms of climate, in terms of just the state of the UK at the moment, things are a real mess. I, you know, I think, I think personally, like, I know that, that all of the stresses and strains of the world, I really feel them very intensely, particularly in the sort of premenstrual phase of my cycle. But it's good information. It's information about what needs to change. Yeah. yeah. I've been nodding furiously because I've <laughs> written loads of notes now. I don't know what the hell I've written. But the last one I've got here, I've written what's wrong with me. And this, this is like one of my big whys is, you know, changing that narrative to like, if you've got PMS, the question is what's wrong with me? I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with you. You yeah. are responding to your environment and that could be your diet and your, your nutrition. Of yeah. course, that's kind of what I do. But um, there is nothing like as a symptomless. I think there's a there's a difference between really really struggling and seeking to optimize and support mm. yourself. Of course, that's not what we're talking about here. You know, we're talking about those ebbs and those natural ebbs and flows. And of course, they are going to be the volume's going to be turned up in that PMS phase. If every morning you wake up and you're like, "Fuck, what's happening with this world?" You know, like every morning, like for me, all I don't I can't even really. Like I don't have any news apps on my phone, nothing. I can't, mm. I'm way too sensitive. All it takes is for me to walk past the free newspapers when I go into a station and I just spiral into this whole thing of anxiety because it's inevitably about a Tory MP thing mm. elsewhere. This is the our current government in the UK and it will trigger a massive, massive cascade of anxiety and that will have an effect on my menstrual cycle, mm. 100%. So yeah, for me, it's really, and you know, that ties into that embodied resistance. It's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, we are really dealing with very, very challenging times. And, and now, thank you for really explaining that because I've believed this all along, but I didn't know that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes perfect sense because I'm always talking to my clients, you know, what, what's your environment like? Like we've said already, your home. Yeah. So yeah, you can live in an extremely safe home, feel very nourished, nurtured and loved, but still be freaking out about the climate emergencies. Yeah. Like, and there's so much going on. Um, and I love that we can use our menstrual cycles as a big fuck you to it all, you know, and just be like, right, well, we're going to like really lean into what's happening here and listen to what our bodies are telling us and slow down and, and just really turn everything around um so yeah that's my little um contribution uh, <laughs> there's a it really reminds me so there's there's a quote um from a philosopher and writer called i don't know if you've heard of um you've probably heard of him like bio Malafe. he says these times are urgent so let us slow down and I think that's a really interesting piece in this as well, that like these are really urgent times, but perhaps they require a, 
different type of approach to solving them. Um, And I think our cycles teach us that. They They teach us that we can't go at the same pace the whole time. Like there is a time to pause and a time to act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that quote. I love it's that nice, quote. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. You know, so often I think we like, as you were saying right at the beginning, Julietta, with um your with your check-in, you know, like oh, there's all this stuff that needs to be done. Like now, 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 have to do it, have to do it, have to do it now, 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 now. And actually, like what's gonna help the most is like taking it down a notch yeah because we know that like if you're you know think about the days when you are like I'm late I'm late I'm late and you're rushing around and you knock your tea over and you get your coat stuck in the door hook and then you trip over and you're like you know it's like rush like you you need to slow down mm-hmm. to assess and see what's happening and one of the things that came to my mind when you were speaking Lottie um especially like I, the premenstrual phase is my it's my jam it's yeah um, I find it just such an amazingly rich place or it can be an amazingly rich place to be and something that just came to my mind was you know and we think about like archetypes of the cycle and that's fresh in my mind because as we're recording this today our episode about the archetypes of the cycle has gone live oh cool that's why it's like fresh in my mind and just to I, I don't have a uh I don't have a gender neutral name for this in my mind yet. The name that I came up with doesn't resonate with me anymore, but the archetype of the premenstrual phase is commonly known as the wild woman, right? You mm. can say the wild person. Mm. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, it means someone who is wild, you're untamed, you haven't been integrated into society. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching The Empress at the moment on Netflix about... um Emperor Empress Elizabeth and she was kind of wild before she went into the Viennese court and then you kind of get socialized yeah and you start to behave in a certain different way and you you kind of lose touch with who you are and for us as humans we are animals (laughs) I know we like to think we're really special because we walk but (laughs) we're animals we like you know we are mammals we belong to the earth and so for me it makes total sense that even if you do come from the happiest household ever and you've got financial stability and you know all of that that you can still be so deeply affected by what's happening in the world when you start to become aware of your cycle because what you're doing is you're de-socializing and you are mm-hmm. for want of a better word rewilding and it's really normal to be sensitive mm-hmm. to your environment I see that in my dog all the time mm-hmm it's such a normal thing and so for me it's kind of like of course you know of course it doesn't it doesn't feel great I wish that I was sometimes I wish I wasn't so aware because you know there are these kind of like oh yeah (laughs) the world is going to to shit and if you're in your premenstrual phase it can feel really really intense but I feel like that's why it's such a rich place to be because you are like tapping into actually your rawest essence as a mammal as a being on the planet and not necessarily just like a human Mm. that that was something that really went through my head it was like you know to have a symptomless cycle 
although it might sound amazing yeah especially if they have like heavy symptoms actually by you know and if you if you do happen to have a symptomless cycle fantastic that's great for you wonderful but this kind of striving for that is it's the the animalizing (laughs) (laughs) so removing your like animalistic primal receptors and behavior and that for me feels really really odd so that's what was going through my mind I was like whoa I have to share that I'm kind of like I need to do something for that but that's that's how I feel about it yeah Mm. Mm, yeah I really love that I mean you're really speaking to just the the dissonance in like what our bodies want and need as cyclical beings and what they're expected and socialized to do yeah yeah um and it is fucking hard isn't it when you become acute more and more aware of of that um I think on a personal note having been practicing cycle awareness for so many years now you know over a decade things haven't got any easier Mm. you know my cycle hasn't improved I I still struggle with the same things I did 10 years ago or you know or more and it's almost yeah, it's almost like I've become more acutely aware of just how my body doesn't want to live in this doesn't want to be forced to live in this sort of linear progressive society that's just kind of built on growth and you know our worth being pinned on our productivity I I want something else. I want something else for all of us. Mm. And I, th- I think there's real, like, I think why, I, why I'm so fascinated by this is that I think there's real potential there. Like, there's so many of us menstruate. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I get kind of a bit sort of sci-fi utopian about it, where I'm like, what would happen if we were just all more literate? And we talked about this stuff and we we built systems of mutual aid and reciprocity around around this this appreciation of how our bodies are cyclical Mm. um you know we're all doing it in small ways and that's great because that's that's the that's the that's the start of it um adrian marie brown who's another writer and thinker brilliant black feminist who I absolutely love says what we practice at the small scale sets the pattern for the whole system Mm. Mm. and like that that there is like the crux of what I think where the menstrual cycle awareness has this potential yeah Mm. Yeah. no I love you were kind of like because I'm conscious of the time not oh yeah we stick the fingers up to any kind of like podcast whatever but sometimes I feel it's nice to have a you know nice rounded sort of like hour and then you know I've got so many things I could ask you for another time. <laughs> I've completely lost track of time I know like classic classic Lottie just like <laughs> no idea what the time is what's going on sorry <laughs> no 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 um but I think because uh, um one thing I really quickly wanted to say was I also see menopause more and more as an act of embodied resistance you know absolutely 
And I see the people who struggle most with menopause are the people who approach the capitalist push through it attitude. Mm. And I will say, you know, and it's not to like shame anyone or make them feel bad about their, their way. But I'm like, whenever people are really struggling with hot flushes or, or mm. all these things, I'm like, step back, <laughs> you know, mm. just like, don't push. It's such a beautiful metaphor for all of this because we most of us have been socialized and grown up in a capitalist society and the solution is always push more push harder and yeah. you will come through the other side and menopause yeah. my god if there was ever a time when you have to completely flip things around it's menopause and I feel that that's another place where a lot of people are now really changing their yeah. kind of approach which is amazing and I loved what you said about like you know those tiny tiny little moments all of those moments are embodied resistance. All of those moments are when the change is happening. And I feel in menopausal journeys, I feel it in myself. You know, I'm quite like, you know, I'm not going to like be like relinquished to a corner and just sit there sweating all day. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like really relaxed and step into this new energy and everything else. Um, so I just wanted to say that. But yeah, I suppose this unless Nat, do you have any other questions before we kind of oh my go? god I have a ton of questions I know. But that's not gonna be helpful <laughs> for our, our our episode so they will have to um yeah they'll 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 come out in another way um, yeah be like a, a co-live or something there, there yeah. will be another way that because I've got a ton of questions it, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. but we for do now too because like yeah we, this podcast is probably going to go on forever so we'll be interviewing <laughs> our guests until like <laughs> there are a hundred and something <laughs> we're like oh how is it going now <laughs> how is your embodied resistance <laughs> um, but uh yeah I feel you you touch on the utopia but can we end on this like really positive note like could you describe to us the, the utopia that you connect with and the visions that you have when you think about you know using menstrual cycle awareness for social justice let's just end on a oh ooh, wow that's such a great question um I mean I think for me it would be like it would start with menstrual strikes mm. where people striked during their bleed and that caused like massive disruption oh. like global class just global disruption and then, <laughs> and then I love it. And then it would build from there into this kind of like sort of vibrant literacy where people just spoke about their cyclical nature, whether they bled or not. Because I think the other thing is just that I, I don't want to pit menstrual bodies against non-menstruating bodies. I think we're all cyclical beings. Um, we've all got these different cycles, but and we were just. <sighs> We would rest when we needed to rest. And we would dream when we needed to dream. And oh, we would honor that those bleeding times for the visionary places that they are um, and take that wisdom there seriously. Catalyze change based on those moments it was rest and dream and bleeding rest and dream where well you know where you know when you have those like menstrual moments where you just like have a really amazing idea or just something crystallizes during that 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 phase we'd I don't know maybe we'd even have collectives of people doing that stuff together and dreaming on a particular like um particular collective problem 
see very utopian <laughs> but I just think there's so there's so much potential there's so much so much potential and maybe it isn't as utopian as that one that world that I've just I've just dreamt out for you but yeah I love that <laughs> as someone whose job was negotiating with trade unions my first thought was how can we get like unite on that <laughs> Yes. Get, like all, all of the menstruate I used to work for London Underground my mind's like and I've always thought like gosh imagine if you're driving a tube you're on your shift you've got your period like when do you get to change your yeah yeah your your tampon or your pad or whatever you're using and you know I was like hmm I was thinking I wonder if I could reach out to those people and get them to do like a strike for the menstruate <laughs> I'm like I'm probably not allowed to say that because I've got all my colleagues still back there doing that job they'd hate me forever but I love that idea because people don't necessarily notice impact until it hits them in the face yeah yeah yeah. or they're sold on look how much more money you could make look how much more productive your workforce could be yeah totally mental strike sounds awesome wouldn't it be great I know chaos it would be absolute carnage I mean because there'd be a lot there'd be a lot of synchronicity where people were all you know bleeding together at the same time but then there'd be just people taking time off all the time so it would just it would be brilliant. <laughs> I think you're onto something there. Particularly pertinent because we we've got a lot of strikes at the moment in yeah. the UK, right? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost like we should go to the unions and go, look, you're missing the point. Pay rise is lovely, <laughs> but actually, that's just feeding into the whole system. Yeah. What we need to do is menstrual strike. <laughs> On a serious note, I'm always absolutely frustrated and fascinated by how menstrual cycle you know cycle awareness like menstruators just aren't in aren't thought about in terms of organizing or activism or how you know and I always think like you're missing a trick here folks like if you could just embrace this stuff you you'd have like another tool within yeah just how to kind of like pace people so not everybody's kind of going hard all the time anyway I digress that's like another (laughs) another strand that is another strand and another podcast episode (laughs) absolutely oh thanks so much for listening and um i yeah and for kind of like letting me um take you through my thoughts in kind of quite a sort of um well day 26 way i was just really yeah just really grateful to kind of share these ideas with with other people who are thinking about this stuff and um because it's it's doing this work together that is really important make you know and and yeah I think the best ideas and the best yeah the best ideas are are born out of collectivity I think rather than just in individuals absolutely couldn't agree more um Mm. that ties into what we said at the beginning like just us connecting in person you know yeah so wonderful and this community is is connecting more and more the menstrual cycle people are all <coughs> kind of getting together more and more and I think we're we're gonna our power is growing slowly but surely absolutely um so just before we finish we always mm-hmm. like to ask all our guests what cycle phase um do you feel most at home in Ooh. Oh, this is such a good question. <laughs> I mean, I think probably is autumn. Yeah, I love the composting kind of 
element of autumn and the invitation and the possibility of just letting things go and that transition from autumn into into winter I just when I've got when the conditions are right and I can really work with that energy I just fucking love it conditions aren't always there (laughs) to be able to do that but but I do I do love it Mm. and the conditions would be there in the utopia that would be oh they would be for everybody (laughs) amazing yeah yeah and um just finally where can people find you if they want to know more yeah oh um oh yeah i'm always really terrible about mentioning mentioning the stuff um i've got a website you can find me at um www.lottierandomly.com and i'm on instagram as well Mm lottie.randomly lovely and can i just say like your your blogs and your writing is really like I love reading your stuff always because there's always like it always kind of makes me go huh that's the best way I can describe it oh thank you (laughs) before but actually now that I'm reading this I'm really resonating with it and you you really have a beautiful way with words as well so anybody listening please please go and check out Lottie's blogs and posts because they will make you think a hundred percent oh thank you so much that's just music to my ears any last words lovely nat anything coming through for you no just to say thank you it's been such a a very varied and um rich conversation and um thank you for the quote it's really really um embedding itself into my brain so yeah lots to ponder on there thank you Mm. absolute pleasure so glad that we finally finally got to meet Yeah. yeah oh ditto yeah thank you both it's been absolutely lush oh thank you everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode please help us spread the menstrual cycle love by rating and leaving us a review and sharing this with anyone who you think needs to hear it